for victory. B for blue, W for white, for the blue and the white we will fight. Fight, 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 for Villano. Okay, that's enough. Good morning. Wow. So how, how, how much? That? Um, yeah. How much did uh did you spend at Villanova every year? Did you ever join men's chorus? Did you ever take a voice lesson? Obviously not. No, no. Oh, still spending, by the way. Still spending. But perhaps, perhaps we're we're about to reach the end of that line. Ooh. As of today, we're still spending. Keep buying shirts, people. Pay off Kyle's student loan debt. Oh, man. We got, this is an exciting show. Uh, as Kyle was alluding to, Villanova won. Uh, we've got a controversy surrounding Michael Bennett. Scott Kingery has made the Philadelphia Phillies. The Sixers clinched a playoff berth. And the Flyers lost to the Penguins. Not only did Kingery cl- make the Phillies, he got paid. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on Villanova here. I know uh, some people bristle when we talk too much about them. But they are in the Final Four again for the second time in three years, third time in ten years, and sixth time overall, fifth if you uh, remove the one that has been stripped away from them from 1971. Regardless, uh, pretty impressive. I got to admit, I was not I was not nervous. I, it was like I was watching a regular season game yesterday. And I wasn't like that Friday night against West Virginia. I thought that game got a little hairy. West Virginia, uh, to their credit, credit and Kevin's credit, threw everything at them. That was one of the t- that is the that is one of the only times I've seen it, Villanova go up a team go up against a team that was tougher than them. You know, Villanova usually mentally and physically, uh, even though they're small, tends to impose their will on teams. West Virginia is one of the few teams I saw that um, took it to Nova. Um, so that got a little hairy, but it wasn't a lack of respect for Texas Tech, but it was just sort of like this is the this is a game they should win. There's a you know, and there's a difference in sports between the game that you want to win and you're excited and hoping, and then the game that you just don't want to lose. And Villanova at this point, uh, until they hit the Final Four, is just you just don't want to lose. And to me, now the real tournament begins. So, uh, yeah, I, did you see the game? Yeah, I I um I'm excited just to see them play Kansas for a couple of reasons. And, and it really comes down to this. Um, I think whoever wins on that side of the bracket is going to, obviously they're both ranked number one as one seeds. Uh, I think whoever wins is going to go on to win the entire thing. Um, I want Villanova to win, but my bracket says Kansas. So regardless uh, of who, regardless of who wins, I'll either win money or I'll be excited. Um, unless Loyola, the only thing that would maybe be interesting is if Loyola Chicago actually does pull it off. That would be a heck of a story. I know it would break your heart, but uh, I would certainly rather see Loyola, uh, Chicago, or whatever they are, beat Michigan. Um, Michigan upsetting a one is nothing, but Loyola, that would be really cool. Well, so, yeah, so... Um, if, hold on, if, if Nova loses, do you automatically root for Loyola? Uh, no, I've had enough of Sister Jean, to be honest with you. I had enough of Sister Jean after the first game. I've... It, it, it's enough now. Is she like um, mini Millie to you? No, nah, I don't know. She's, she's getting on my nerves. It's just a predictable okay. story. You just it's don't just like old ladies? Storyline. They're good. They're a good team, no doubt about it. I don't think they're a pushover. I don't think it's a given that Michigan's going to win. Uh, if you're So if you're looking at the lines, uh, this is pretty incredible. Nova is a larger favorite over Kansas than Michigan is over Loyola Chicago, at least according to lines from Westgate last night. 
Villanova is a five and a half point favorite over Kansas, uh, which is kind of wild to think about. And Michigan, as of last night again, was only five point favorite over Loyola Chicago. Uh, Villanova is the odds on favorite to win it with uh, essentially 52% chance to win the tournament heading into the final four. Um, this is kind of uncharted territory for me and for Villanova. Uh, the minute West Virginia went out, everyone knows this, they were, they're the best team left in the tournament, the odds-on favorite. The team I was most worried about was Duke. Um, I do think Kansas is very good. Um, they are going to, you know, they do got a little bit more size and, and maybe sheer athleticism than Nova, so that always worries me. I thought Duke was probably the better team and, and the team I wanted to face least. Um, but Kansas looks good. That said, uh, Jay Wright, uh, I think, runs circles around Bill Self. I wrote this a few years ago, and people scoffed at me. I think it's less so the case now. I just think that Jay is a much better coach. Um, you know, so I don't know. I was uh, The only thing I was rooting for Duke is I taught my kid to say Boo Duke during the game, and now they lost. So I'm trying to find a easily uh, easily repeatable phrase for him to um, make fun of Kansas, perhaps something about the— uh, Perhaps something about the animal that lives atop Bill Self's head. I got. I still got to search wow. for that one. Yeah. Wow. Um, Trump wigs. Glad to see somebody still uh, giving the money. And I'll tell you this: I'm not. Uh, I, I, Michigan probably scares me second most in this tournament. Uh, for those of you who don't know, John Beeline was a longtime coach. Kevin, I'm sure, is well aware of this. Longtime coach at West Virginia. They gave Villanova pro- they get a lot they gave a lot of teams problems in the heyday of the Big East, but they gave Villanova and Jay Wright some problems. Um, that guy is a terrific coach. I had them in the Final Four. Um, I had Villanova, Duke, them, and obviously uh, Virginia. So I was close to getting three out of four. But they're a good team, and I think they win that game. I don't think it's it's a pushover, but that is not a slam dunk in the final by any stretch. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see the line be no higher for Villanova, Michigan than it is for Villanova, Kansas. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't think any of these games are, are pushovers, but I feel good. Uh, kind of crazy that Villanova's a five-and-a-half point favorite over Kansas in the Final Four. They have come a long way. I think it's certainly folly, but it'll be interesting. I think it, it should end up being like a two- or three-point game, right? Like it might be a last-second shot, or wow. it'll be like two points going to the last minute, and then you miss a jumper and it becomes a foul. Like about I don't throw, know. Like, look, if Villanova, game, right? Jay Bill has said this on Saturday. If each team remaining plays their best game, who's the best team left in the tournament? And he said, without question, it's Villanova. He said, also without question. Keep in mind, this is a Duke guy. He said, without question, they have the best culture in college basketball. Um, I don't. I think if they play their best game, they win by double digits. I, they may win every game in the tournament by double digits. You think about what happened yesterday. They shot seventeen percent from three. And they still won by 12. Um, and if you listen to them after the game, it's not bullshit. They prefer to win that way. They want to win with defense. They consider the shots falling a bonus. And Jay Wright has has coached these kids like a drill sergeant and hammered that into them. And they all believe it and buy into it. Um, at the minute, you know, it was a little scary in the beginning. The minute they went up, they were clearly the better team. Texas Tech did as, bad, as poorly as Villanova shot. Texas Tech was almost as bad, I think, at 25%. They had no chance of shooting themselves back into that game. So there wasn't a whole lot that was on edge until they cut it to five very briefly. But, um, you know, you think about having that poor of a shooting performance and still winning by 12 in the Elite Eight, uh, That's it's pretty impressive. So, I mean, if they're 
again, if, if they're playing their best game, I think they, they beat every team in the tournament by 10-plus points. If the shots don't fall, if the shots don't fall against a team like Kansas, it's more hairy because they have more weapons um, that they can get you back, whereas Texas Tech did not. That's the, that's the downside, and shooting in those big Final Four arenas is always hit and miss. They did it just fine a few years ago. Um, you know, with that, that's always a little bit of a concern. But, uh, you know, all, all these guys, have, most of these guys have been there in that sort of game before, in that sort of environment, the cavernous stadium. And uh, I don't think it's, you know, not that concerned about it. I'm surprised they're that much of a favorite. I feel better about it. So when people ask me if I'm looking forward to, uh, to the next matchup between Villanova and Kansas, I just answer, I do and I will look forward to it which leads us to our sponsor for today's podcast i do and i will so uh yeah you sent me these talking points right russell <laughs> uh we j- we literally we talked about that before Good so yeah God. we want what yeah i, I was, I was just, like i literally sent them we talked about them before the show how do you lose it how many tabs do you have open go ahead i was trying to buy time as uh as i opened it up yeah so i do and i will uh we want to thank them for sponsoring the show and the website over the next month. New sponsor here. Um, I had actually talked to these guys uh, right around when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, and we're excited to have them on board. Did you know that the uh, national average for a wedding cost? Now, stick with me, guys, because you're, we're all, most of our listeners are right in this demo. Did you know the ash, national average for a wedding cost is $35,329? In Philadelphia, it's over $40,000. There was a BuzzFeed writer who uh, wrote an article in 1974, spent, or in 1974, she got married, spent $10,000 on her wedding. That same wedding recreated today would have cost them $47,000. But what if I told you there was a company that could help save couples, millennial couples specifically, 10 to 20% on their overall wedding cost? Uh, And that's what I do and I will is introducing to Philadelphia. Uh, They work to help get couples discounts items for your weddings that you need and want. I Do and I Will is an innovative company founded by Ardmore Native and St. Joseph's graduate. I'm sorry, Rich. I'm sorry. Uh, St. Joseph's graduate, Richard Supley. He, uh, they have powerful partnerships with companies such as Vera Wang, Southwest Airlines, Macy's, Yacht Week, Visa, Sephora, and Brooks Brothers, Jose Bank, Casper even, Brilliant Earth, and many, many more. I Do and I Will provide prides themselves on working with great companies, the premier companies in the industry, to help you save money on your wedding, honeymoon, and more. Um, I'm sure some of some of you listening are already married. Those of you who are not, who are in the market to do so, I feel like we have a lot of sponsors related to weddings around here. Um, take, my, take my word for it again. It is not cheap. Um, mm-hmm. And it is the, financially, it is probably one of the most unwise decisions you can make spending that amount of money for what amounts to about a six-hour party plus a honeymoon the honeymoon uh, ruining marriage good job kyle yeah no but companies like this they could save you 10 to 20 percent i find that when you're doing those like wedding things with the vendor and the tux place you know the ones and tens columns become hundreds and thousands columns you know like oh hey let's add on the shrimp average appetizer it's just a thousand dollars extra it's like going out to dinner and saying well yeah do i want to clam chowder it's twelve dollars you just sort of say yes to four digit purchases like it's nothing so That's saving true. 10 to 20 percent would be uh would be great so check out the folks at i do and i will they have a free app uh i do and i will just search that in the app store and uh and then specifically join us 
at the Valley Forge Convention Center on April 15th for a live podcast and event specifically designed for those couples looking to help in saving their wedding. I feel like we got to do some sort of contest here, some sort of newly Philly sports newlyweds game. Uh, but we'll be at the Valley Forge Convention Center on April 15th for a live podcast, uh, along with the folks from I Do and I Will. That's beautiful. You know what else is beautiful, Kyle? Is making the playoffs for the first time since 2012. And that's what the Sixers managed to clinch by virtue of a victory on Saturday and them not playing yesterday. Um, if you go on Twitter right now, the Sixers actually added into their uh, name line the beautiful letter X. They have clinched a playoff spot. It's a great thing. Uh, they're over uh, 12 games over 500 since I think it was 2003, 2004. Um, the last time that the Sixers won more than 41 games in a season, Candy Shop by 50 Cent was the number one song in the U.S. So it's been a while. Um, they're only a game out of the three seed in the East. I think it's very likely that they could jump up to three and hang on, um, which going into the season seemed like a statistical improbability. But between Cleveland's uh, poor poor play recently, Indiana kind of coming back down, um, you know, like Victor Oladipo is really the engine that moves that team, and outside of him, they don't really have a lot to offer. You've got a ridiculously hot Toronto Raptors team that will not be caught, and me, maybe the biggest story. Hold on a second, and like the the biggest story in the East probably right now is that Kyrie Irving might not be ready for the playoffs. Yes. So Boston's hold on on number two, um, while not, you know, it, it, they're probably not going to fall out of that two spot. They are certainly limping into the playoffs. So let's 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 talk this through for a minute, uh, briefly before we get to Michael Bennett. Uh, Steph Curry also missing the beginning of the playoffs. It sounds like both yep. him and uh, Kyrie sound destined to be in that three to six week range. Um, say the finish Sixers finished third. We draw something like the Wizards, Pacers, perhaps the Bucks. Would love to would love to draw the Bucks. Yeah, There's that budding rivalry with Wes Edens. Uh, and the uh, the, the process Greek freak thing, like we 60, trust our process, yeah, yeah. Well, and the Greek freak getting the sixty minutes treatment last night after Stormy after Stormy Daniels, Daniels. yeah. yeah. Um, so let's say the Sixers win that. Um, you know, there, there's a scenario here where they're they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Against the Raptors, um, against Kyle Lowry and the Raptors. Well, I think I think you could maybe make a case for it. I don't know if I would go that far yet. Uh, I do think that the first round matchup is is critical. Yeah, I don't like course. I don't like a matchup again against Washington. I feel like I'm the only person who's afraid of them. Um, I just think that they always they present a matchup nightmare. If they are able to reintegrate John Wall appropriately, uh, since Wall went out, Bradley Beal kind of took over the lead for Washington. They started playing better team ball. They were passing much better. They were playing a much um, a much better selfless game, and. If you're able to reintegrate John Wall into that style, they present a backcourt nightmare for the Sixers defensively. Um, so that that matchup I don't like. Joel Giannis presents a front. Giannis, Giannis for is everybody. pretty much by himself. So mm-hmm. I mean, you could essentially let Giannis go off every night, and I'm not really worried all that much about Milwaukee. Although Giannis's ability to potentially take over a series and continue to elevate his his teammates mm-hmm. is somewhat troubling. Indiana doesn't scare me. And like I said, if you're able to shut down all the depot, I, I think you're looking at a maybe a five or six game series. But any like any way that you do it, the Sixers have only lost once since I think Christmas on their home court. 
so getting getting homes um home court advantage going into the playoffs is so massively important for them and hopefully you there's very the very minuscule chance that you end up getting cleveland in a first round matchup as a three six so and especially when you consider these other environments uh indiana could be a tough place to play but i mean playing on the road in washington i know milwaukee's all jazzed up because of the greek freak but uh washington milwaukee miami detroit you know i'm just going down the list here after the pacers uh you know our home court advantage crushes pretty much just about everybody i suppose the celtics can get it going but honestly i don't see a team in the in the east that um you know can even compare with the atmosphere either um yeah i don't know and i i I thought about yesterday it's a shame about markel fultz because the sixers are if he were able to play, have been able to play this year, and you know who knows what what exactly happens, but if he were just mid level in terms of his expectations as the number one overall pick, that is to say, not even the rookie of the year caliber, just top five rookie caliber, in alongside Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as the third sidecar in that triumvirate, um, they could be, they could have some serious potential to to win the conference at this point you know they're still missing that element which sucks uh he wouldn't have had to be a, be a centerpiece he just would have had to be a contributing piece uh a substantial one and that that kind of sucks because they're in you know almost in win now mode and the fact that they're this good now and, and we definitely do not have to get into this but regardless of who they were to add in free agency or or even not next year they're an NBA they're probably contending for the NBA finals next year and then you know, add whatever player you will, and they're contenders. Yeah, I mean, you're you're totally right. If if Fultz is able, I still think that there's a small chance that they try to reintegrate him going into the postseason just for the sake of getting him some postseason minutes. But Bellinelli's been providing you, while frustrating at times, between he and Urson, they've been doing such a good job of anchoring that second unit. Um, I think Fultz could only be a positive. Um, the only, you know, like, what's the only concern that he goes into the postseason and he's a bit of a, a head case, he gets lost in himself? Well, I mean, I, I don't really know how much it's going to shatter his uh, his his current mental makeup anyway. Because no, as I of think right the now, worst case is that he's that he's a liability and he has inefficient possessions and turns the ball over or throws up bad shots. You know, it's less it, right now. Now it's about winning. So it's less about his psyche. It's about, is he going to hurt your team? And you're putting in, I keep forgetting that he's actually played games this year, because, but let's yep, just four. kind of, yeah, it, he, he essentially hasn't. So, you know, let's throw a guy in there who's really never played meaningful minutes in the NBA, uh, who's coming off a weird head case shooting thing. That's tough. It's less about the shots he might miss. It's about the shot selection and possessions and turning the ball over and all that stuff. So um, I, I don't know. I think it's too risky. You're, you're playing well now. You have a team that's this good. Just ride with it and have him on standby if, if you absolutely need bodies and there's an injury or something. I, I, you know, I don't know. I just think it's really here's, risky. Here's the thing, though, Kyle. So if you look at their last 10 games, they've got the Nuggets at home, which is a tough game. That's tonight. They've got the Knicks at home easy win atlanta on the road easy win at charlotte again jesus at charlotte um a win at home against brooklyn easy win at detroit detroit's gonna be fighting for their potential playoff lives so that one might be a tough matchup and then you go 
uh, a home game on the 6th of April against Cleveland. That's obviously going to be an important game. You're home against Dallas. They're trash. You're on the road at Atlanta. They're trash. You're home against the Bucks. That could be for playoff positioning. So realistically, in the last 10 games, only three of them uh, potentially matter. I think there's a decent way to, to find Fultz minutes. And if you don't like what he's going to potentially bring to the to the team going into the playoffs, then you shut him down. And maybe sure. they're worried about the potential narrative of him playing what appear to be meaningless regular season games and then shutting them down before the postseason. But I think the the reward is much greater than the risk in that situation. That's just me. People might disagree. That's fine. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Before we move on to Bennett, I just wanted to dispel a, a notion. It was something that we talked about before, and I think we kind of need to, to clear up. So we've talked about, and for a year, we were operating under this false pretense that the Sixers had the ability to sign two max free agents. And there's one thing that we had not taken into account. And I think we need to make sure that people are aware of this if they're not already. The reason that the Sixers won't be able to on, on like the second that the, the clock strikes midnight or whatever on, I think it's Ju- it was July 4th or July 5th that the uh, new league year starts is because of what are called cap holds. Cap holds represent a percentage or the entire salary of uh, an impending free agent's cap hit on the uh, most recent team they played on. So between Amir Johnson and J.J. Redick, the Sixers have about $40 million of potential cap space tied up between those players. Now, they theoretically could renounce them, and it would only the cap hold that they would have would only be a percentage of their salaries. Um, in the case of Redick, they could try to re-sign him, assuming that they wanted to sign LeBron James that renouncing of him would give them enough space to sign just LeBron um, and then try to sign JJ at a, at a much lower um, number. They can renounce their mid-level exception and then it'll only count instead of like 8 million. They could get one for about 4 million. I don't know if JJ would be willing to sign something like that, but they realistically would either need Amir Johnson. And I think Trevor Booker is technically still a cap hold for them. Uh, they would need to get a few of these guys renounced, have those percentages count against them, or have them flat out sign with another team in order for their numbers to be absolved um, of the Sixers cap situation. So going into next year, like just to make sure that we have people kind of straightened out on that, they can't sign two max free agents now. It doesn't mean that they theoretically couldn't. It just means that right now it's it's an impossibility. Because otherwise, you could set up to do something similar to what Miami did a few years ago, where you have all the cap space, you fill out your team with with mostly free agents, and then you use bird rights to sign your own guys over the cap. So, that's that. Should we talk about Michael Bennett? Let's talk about him. So, um, this is a weird situation. If you haven't been keeping up, uh, and I would assume most of our listeners know exactly what's going on here, but Michael Bennett was indicted, charged, uh, I guess he's waiting to turn himself in they're waiting for him to turn himself in to, yeah he's outside of the country to houston uh houston pd he shoved this uh 66 year old paraplegic woman after the super bowl last year when the patriots won we're trying to get out on the field to see his brother now a lot of snark about why there was a 66 year old paraplegic woman uh, guarding guarding security and uh the best tweet i saw was a mock conversation between uh to security supervisors saying that we should throw the uh, uh, basically the crippled woman out there in the corridor that allows field access with with by the way apparently no cameras which I actually find pretty hard to believe. Um, so he shoved her. She's in this 800 pound motorized cart. Apparently it doesn't fall over. 
According to the police press conference, apparently she doesn't fall over, but he shoves her hard enough back and she's injured and a cop witnesses the whole thing. And then rather than go after Bennett and onto the field and try and arrest him there, he decides to tend to the woman who has sort of undisclosed injuries, which sound very vague, uh, very vague, uh, not to take away from them. Just um, there, there doesn't seem to be anything catastrophic by any stretch. And um, and they wait months and then now a ye- over a year to file charges. And they had a pretty good answer to go for why they did that. And the answer was, at the time, they were short on resources. Uh, they were requesting, I guess, more detectives and more money to hire detectives. And they decided to spend their resources on going after uh, rapists and murderers and, and criminals who they didn't know who they were, that they thought may pose a threat to society, whereas they knew... It was Michael Bennett. They knew who he was. They knew he didn't necessarily pose a threat to the Houston community, and they knew they could always find him. And I think that's a reasonable answer that a lot of people may look at and say, well, you know, that sounds like BS. I don't think so. That sounds like a realistic situation. And, you know, go after the people who might be dangerous. Um, Great follow-up question from someone in the press conference asking why they spent so much time on Tom Brady's jersey last year. Uh, and their answer was, hey, look, we won another Super Bowl, and we were concerned that someone penetrated multiple rings of security and was able to get into the winning team's locker room. That was a concern for us. Uh, again, good answer, ready to go on that. Um, all that being said, this is um, – Bennett seems like a dirtbag. We've talked about this before. Um, wow, but there's, What's Ooh. that? I was just – that you that that's pretty incendiary. Well, I mean, I I think that's kind of the general consensus about him from a lot of people. Um, And people look at that Vegas incident and, you know, accuse him of outright lying and race baiting. And and I think there was definitely something to that. But if you watch, you know, I I come more on the middle on that, because while I think he should have been much more measured after the fact and when he had time to decompress and realize what happened in the situation, that it was it was not necessarily race related they didn't just target him because he was a black guy uh they targeted him because he ran from the scene and there was confusion and someone everyone else got down and he ran and the police did what they had to do because there were shots fired in the casino and they took him down and sorted out and sent him on his merry way Uh, i would be upset too but i think um I think he overplayed his hand after the fact. And we, but when you watch the video, I can also understand how someone in that situation who was totally innocent gets tackled by police, thrown in the back of a cop car. Um, it did look like the cop did take his gun out. Now, whether he pointed at his head or not, that sounds like the exaggeration, at least if you look at the two videos. But I could see how someone can interpret that as being race-related if you're, you know, you're a black guy minding your business and you get tackled to the ground and thrown in a cop car. So I don't totally think, while I think he wound up being in the wrong and exaggerated and should have been a little bit more um, reserved in in the accusations he hurled, I understand why he was upset and may have felt that way. Um, this situation is totally different. Um, shoving a 66-year-old paraplegic woman, which I don't think you could state enough, is horrible and wrong. Um but charging him with a felony um, and then saying there's no video and it was just witnessed by an officer. Um, not that I don't not believe the officer, but I, I do find it extraordinarily difficult that in an area that would have security to block the field at the Super Bowl, they had cameras following that guy walking into Brady's locker. 
they had I think they had him tracked all the way out of the building with cameras. I find it really difficult to believe there is not a security camera in the area where uh, there was field access to the Super Bowl, and this happened. Now, maybe it doesn't show oh. anything, or maybe it shows that um, the charges might seem a little over the top. I don't know. But I'm, it's I'm good. slightly it, it, dubious on this, slightly. And that's not defending him because he's an eagle. I think he's he sounds like kind of a dirtbag at times, and what he did is inexcusable. But something just feels a little bit off in this. So there's a rumor that his sister has a video of the incident. Um, there was a video that was circulating of her of the sister and Michael running onto the field to go find Martellus, who, by the way, retired. So there goes the uh, potential team up of the Bennett brothers on the Eagles. <laughs> the interesting thing, I guess, going forward is going to be how the Eagles are going to publicly re- react to it. Because at at one point when it first came out, the word had been that they had no idea. People have been bantering back and forth about, you know, could they potentially try to void the deal and say that Seattle knew about it? I don't think there's any chance that they're going to be able to, to void the deal, even if they wanted to. So now it becomes, do you face the public backlash? Do you let it play out in court or however it's supposed to play out? Do you see if the charges get dropped or if the charges get uh, lower to a, a misdemeanor? If you're the Eagles, this is a terrible black eye going into the into the season. Uh, or at least into the off season, there's it, it kind of took a lot of the lovability of of last year's team, and it feels like if Chris Long, you know, is to the, there were rumors that potentially he had negotiated his deal before Bennett was acquired and hadn't signed the contract yet. I think that has since been dispelled. You know, if if potentially you could see a guy like Chris Long leave or get traded, or um, you know, you're watching guys like Vinnie Curry and other guys that have contributed to to a good clubhouse or locker room feeling if you're watching those guys leave and you're bringing in this guy who's got now two incidents where he might be innocent in both cases and you know it's not our job to decide if he's guilty or innocent but the fact remains that perception in this case at least in some sense is a little bit more important than the reality um it it is a tough thing to wrap your head around and it's it's also hard to see how he fits into this locker room we were just concerned based on the Vegas incident. It's really, really hard to think that people that somebody's lying about this guy smashing into a 66-year-old paraplegic lady. I hate the fact that so I, many people in, in comments and on Twitter seem to be attacking this woman because she happens to be older and, you know, in a cart. It doesn't matter. Uh, like, ultimately, yeah, she the was there doing it. She was, she was doing a job. The logistics and, of the situation don't matter. And I think people, when they hear security, they assume, oh, you know, why was she the muscle? I freelanced once uh, for security at a fish concert in the Spectrum. <laughs> they were looking for college students. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, oh, three, oh, four. I'm picture you intimidating anybody. I had a, a buddy who knew someone and, the, you know, the whatever, the, I forget the name of whatever security operation works down there it's you know sort of comcast backed whatever um they needed college kids to work security at the fish concert so they all get we show up they give us jackets these those maroon jackets they used to wear down there i guess they still do and they stationed us at different places so i started the night on the second level of the spectrum and was told no joke two things don't let people stand on the steps and don't let them smoke pot at a fish concert 
So I tried telling one person not to smoke, and they just looked at me and smirked, and I was like, well, that's that. Second half of the show, I was stationed. I tried, Bob. I tried really hard. I, t- I, I don't smoke, but I, uh, we all had contact highs that night. Um, the second half of the show, they put me outside the um, sort of VIP after-party lounge next to Fish's locker room where all their family and I uh, presume Fish would be congregating after the show. So I was there for about an hour and was in charge of checking whatever backstage pass they needed. You've seen me now. I'm I'm 150 plus, 155 soaking wet. In 2003 in college, I was a good 15 pounds lighter. I was stopping no one, not even a stone fish concert goer from getting into that uh, that room. So, you know, there, you'd be surprised the sort of people that are protecting things at sporting events. That said, I suspect this woman was just there to check the badges and there was genuine muscle. Obviously, there was a police officer there. So let's not like totally shit on her. They may have been throwing her a bone by saying, hey, yeah, look, it's easy enough for you to sit there and, and check people's passes, which it was probably what she was doing. Um, Ultimately, I don't think she was expected to miraculously hop up and tackle someone. What's that? Don't shove, sec- like, don't shove security. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't think anyone like, thinks they're lying like, here. Like, I think the charges might be... There's yeah, something but, off in the charges. I don't think they're making up the fact that he shoved her, and, and there's no excuse for that. But, like, you know, a shove in – I don't know. Like, escalating yeah, that I, to the point of felony a year later, like, something does just feel a little bit flimsy about this. I did listen to Mizzinelli on it because, uh, you know, for better or worse, I go to him because he's actually, you know, a, an attorney. Did you check and, in on Missinelli as yeah, well? Whatever. Okay. Sorry. Miss, Missinelli. I was listening to Missinelli because I thought that, you know, if anybody was going to have some insight into legality, it would be him. And one of the things that he talked about was, um, you know, without there being any kind of footage. And the interesting thing is that they managed to to panel, what was it, a, a grand jury, just to see if the charges, you know, could have potentially held up. And based on this one police officer's, um, you know, testimony... That seems to be all they're really going on, and they were able to get an indictment. So, something about that testimony either had to be really credible, or that that um, grand jury panel had to be, I don't know, just emotionally torn by it or something. Uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward, like where where this leads and for, how the team reacts. We got a wrap, real quick. Um, for what it's worth, I did get an email from someone who was on the field. They were working in some capacity down there, and actually saw the two Bennett brothers on the field that night. I believe they said they got a picture with them or a picture of them. Uh, I really should follow up on this email. And they said, you know, I find it hard to believe he was in this sort of crazed rage. He seemed nothing but euphoric out on the field with his brother. He wasn't acting drunk, any of that stuff. You know, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that because I've been euphoric and in a, you know, hurry to get somewhere. I could see how, not how you would show the paraplegic person. But I could see how someone in the euphoria is reckless and, and may have shoved this person, and even though they're not in like some sort of violent mind state. So I don't think that means much of anything. But uh, yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a tough one. It'll be interesting. I think the Eagles have enough capital, especially locally, that this isn't really going to hurt them. Um, they're in a bad spot. I could foresee them moving on from him, Chris Long taking, taking those snaps and then donating his salary to the plyoplegic woman. That would be that would be. Uh, that would be, be fantastic. Last year's Maybe you should make a this. shirt and donate all the proceeds to. Anyway, um, one Don't last thing. Shove let's, on 
let's end on a positive note. Scott Kingery, who I talked about before spring training, as be, and I think even last year when we talked about Phillies going forward, even September call-ups, Scott Kingery was a guy that I was really excited about. And he kind of defied all odds and made the team. A lot of people thought that he was going to stay down in the minors for a while so that he wouldn't have a year of service counting against him. Um, but the Phillies ended up signing him to a six-year deal. The details on the contractor as follows. He got a $1.5 million signing bonus, which is big. $750,000 salary in 18, $1.25 in 19, $1.5 in 2020, $4 million, $6 from 2021 20, through 2023, respectively. And then he's got options uh, from 24 to 26 of $13 million, $14 million, and $15 million with a $1 million buyout. That's a lot of guaranteed money. People were a little bit confused why he went this route instead of eventually going into arbitration. And I think pretty simply, he now has guaranteed money. And, you know, if he ends up becoming an all-star player, it probably won't be until um, I would assume somewhere around like 2020, 2021. He'll be making $4 million at that point. Uh, 2024, if he's playing at all-star level, $13 million is a massive underpay. And it'll be a great team-friendly contract. So good job to Matt Clentak. That's an exciting guy to watch going forward. We've got a ball. Uh, now where where he ends up managing to to fall into things is going to be the interesting thing. Is he going to play a, a lot of second base? Is he going to move around the infield? Whatever. It's a ballsy signing. Um, it is, but it's the sort of it's the sort of calculated risk I think that sets apart. And is the difference between teams that become great and teams that languish in obscurity. And who knows what happens here, but the Phils have a lot of money to spend, and this isn't much of it. This seems like a very calculated and smart risk. They have to be pretty darn sure on him. Um, But even if he is just, you know, decent um, or, you know, better good, you know, just good and no better, this isn't a bad deal. And if he turns out to be what a lot of people, and I'm, I'm assuming the Phillies think he can be, then this is a great deal, locking up a guy for this long at those uh, team-friendly numbers. And, uh, uh, you know, and if you're in Kingery's shoes, you know, there's a risk on your side too. But I think, you know, this is the classic athlete thing. Do you, you kind of set your – well, you definitely set yourself and, and a generation or two for life making that kind of money. Um, do you do that? Or do you hold out longer and try and just become, you know, ludicrously laughably rich? And I think, yep. you know, the average person gunned to your head right now, I said, Russ, I could pay you $60 million for the rest of your life. Or, I could, or you could take a chance and make four, you know, $300 million in five years. I'll take the 60 Yeah, yeah. So I don't for think sure. this is a this is good all the way around. Yep. Good all the way around. And, yep, sure is. Speaking of good all the way around, um, I think the show is good all the way around. We didn't yell at each other. This is good. There was no yelling. There was no bickering. And for that, I request that the five people who left one or three star reviews in iTunes now go ahead and change those. I think we also made it through a show without Kyle dropping the F-bomb. So uh, I think we are owed one or two other five star reviews. By the way, Big if you are listening deal. and you... <sighs> Carry on. I hate you. All right. Uh, this has been Crossing Broadcast brought to you by I Do and I Will. Uh, a reminder, by the way, on crossingbroad.com slash Amerigas, we're still, we extended the deadline for people to uh, put in for the tailgate giveaway. Remember, that's $300 worth of tailgating stuff plus $200 um, uh, Crossing Broad store 
gift this card. This is so easy so to enter. Get yourself, just go to just put your name, name and email. It's right there on email. the page. That's you don't it. have to click anywhere. Just put it in. So go you do may that. get emails from that just just so people know by putting your email. You nope, may stop. You're going to make it worse. People aren't going to sign up. That, well, hey, it's great. Tell them this. You hey. won't get any spam emails. Yay. Okay. No, no first of all, I'm not going to spam you. I send maybe, maybe marketing wise, like two emails at most. And this is during the holidays per month, just because if nothing else, I'm lazy to put together an email. So I'm not going to spam you. If we email you stuff, it'll be relevant a relevant t-shirt email or some sort of good piece of content. I promise you we do not spam you every day with email, if for no other reason than because I'm too lazy and don't have time to make emails. Well, that's nice. So uh, does that mean that you're not going to send them an email like every day or every other day offering a discount on your subscription? And on that, we will uh, catch everybody on Wednesday. Shot. Shot.